Reader Mail. Number 11. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, take it from the top. Not a Triangle Square PlayStation Podcast, but a Triangle Square PlayStation Production. This is Saul Bridges bringing you guys... Production. <laughs> this is Saul Bridges bringing you guys Reader Mail number 11, and alongside me, like he already introduced himself, Brett Beck. Hey, there's notifications on there, so you're in professional. It's um, my work phone, I'm For sorry. those that don't know... You can ask us questions on Twitter at any given time you see a Reader Mail tweet pinned to our profile. I used to say Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. However, it stays pinned to our profile for free any time of day or night. Go ask that. But on Facebook at Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast, it is a Facebook group. Go join it. You won't see me because I don't have Facebook. And, of course, our Patreon, uh, newly added uh, as well, that we seem to get a good amount of questions on, it is our Discord. And, of course, you guys can find all these links in the description below if you ever want to see us. And I uh, look forward to Reader Mail's bi-weekly on uh, Fridays at 5 p.m. Central Time. And, of course, you will get the main show every Monday at noon Central Time. And we're going to be doing something a little bit special for E3 this year. So you guys tag along for that. Uh, we won't be streaming anything Triangle Squared. It will all be Nartech because there's no PlayStation. So I believe Bethesda, or uh, Microsoft is the very first E3 conference, right? If I'm okay. not mistaken, yeah, we're, early we're, Sunday. We'll double check that, and I think it's 4 p.m. Central Time for us, but we will be planning on streaming with that alongside Blaze. He'll be here hanging out with us as well, since this will be the Nartech guys. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you, seeing everybody show up and stream. We uh, will be announcing a Twitch stream on YouTube. We're gonna do a short little video and upload it straight to YouTube, uh, telling us to telling you guys to go check out our streams out. And then uh, we'll be posting Twitter, Facebook, Discord, everywhere there is to check us out so you guys can get our link there. But it is twitch.tv slash Nartech Gaming. Yep. Um, so for that. But anyways, Brett, we're going to start with Facebook, I guess. Why don't you lead us off with Facebook? One more thing I didn't hear you mention. Since this is the reader mail and a little more loose, we can finally oh, yeah. talk about the the uh, off topic that we've started and go on full in with the name, which is go. dickish at best. So if you like listen to an, uh, listening to these reader mails, which are a little more off the cuff and kind of just Saul and I uh, kind of talking with each other and, and going over and different stories and stuff, think about that with Blaze added into the mix uh, and with a little less structure. It's not questions necessarily, just us talking uh, i've been having fun doing it even though yeah. it's one of those things where we are finding our footing of how to do a podcast that's not structured like we normally do uh yeah it's just very it's just very unstructured it's very it's fun it's as if you were just w watching us hang out it's it, really what it is that and, is the spirit of the show and we won't yes. change that spirit so so yeah go check it out if you want to and sadly i've not gotten confirmation that's up on itunes yet which is mind-blowing probably to me. won't be uh due to them making apple podcast here soon so you're we'll, gonna yeah. probably see things change uh but let us know whether it's on twitter discord uh in the youtube comments if you do uh if you do ask us stuff or if you do listen to us on iTunes, because that's kind of important to us to know, and we can't ever get concrete numbers for that. So we, I am, we curious. can now I've finally gotten to our podcast connect thing. Does it, which shows it concrete you exactly? Though? Yeah. Okay, cool. Never mind then discard that last part, but let us know if you watch on iTunes. I'm curious. Think about getting an iPhone. Maybe. Um, also one more thing to bring up before we do hop into the questions. Okay. Is that um, we won't be doing questions from YouTube anymore. We tried that for a while. We never got any questions. So if you are listening to older episodes and you want to ask us a question, uh, feel free to join our Discord. Uh, if you don't have social media of any kind like I do, um, except I help run the Twitter. But anyways, 
yeah, I, you won't see me on Facebook, like I said. <clears throat> but yeah, Discord's our fun little chat. We have multiple uh, channels for everything, and I do believe uh, talking to our good buddy Blake that we may open a movies channel because um, he's been he's been talking to me about an app. That's really, really cool. But anyways, on to the questions, and I think we're starting with Facebook first, right? Yeah, I was going to, but i got to scroll down to it, and it sure. moved around on me. That's so- fine. We'll do Facebook, Twitter, then Discord. And uh, like I said, guys, for Twitter, we are changing it up. <clears throat> you, I will post tweets throughout the week instead of every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday just to remind you guys. And that way it's not on a schedule that you guys think you have to follow. And it's very, it's it's just real easy to go to and see. And once you see the tweet, you just know that you can ask us a question. And uh, it could be, you know, one a.m. or one a.m. your time. And yeah, all questions are getting answered, so it'll be fun. Okay, I think I'm coming up to it. And a lot, a lot of Dauntless stuff on our Facebook group because of Josh sharing it. I heard good things about it. <clears throat> it looks, it, it looks okay. I haven't for had a, a chance game, to try right? it yet, but yeah, it's a free game. Yeah. I agree. I'm waiting until right. June seventh to get days gone for that smooth, smooth forty dollars. Here we are, sure, right here. So we have reader mail submissions through Facebook first. Derek Porter, who is a patron, thank you, thank sir, you, sir. Ask, do you think free to play games like Fortnite, Apex Legends, Warframe, etc., have hurt or helped the gaming industry? Helps. Great question. Helps. Uh, yeah, I agree. Helped. And it's going to seem a little weird because I think a lot of people and Saul, I think you'll agree with me on this one. I feel we've had conversations about this. It enough. is. I already know what you're going um, with. Microtransactions. Well, it's a little different than that. I think what happens is that a lot of people are quick to, uh, like you said, microtransactions are the thing that people linchpin on or why they don't, they don't like them. Right. But I think when my, microtransactions are used in a responsible manner uh, and games like this can come out via an independent studio – uh, whether self-published or in Apex Legends case, it is published by EA, uh, but it still chose to go the free-to-play route. When you look at these things, uh, it actually makes sense to me. I think if anything, Warframe is the one I'm going to pick the most out of. I think Warframe has done has shown actually that these free-to-play games can do a lot to the industry because they can force other companies to realize how little of value they're offering for what you're having to pay for versus what a company can do for sheer free and only having all of its funding coming from the players who enjoy the game so much that they go ahead and put money into the game to speed it up. Maybe it's not even that they don't want to speed up anything that they're getting or anything. Maybe they just want to put money into the game because they want to support the game. And I just I think it's blown expectations around to a point where it part of the reason that these things happen is that I think when you people look at Warframe, part of the reason I think Anthem was so beat up over is that as much as I enjoyed Anthem, a game like Warframe has got better content, more content, uh, uh, you know, more active community of people who work for the company, digital, um, whatever they're called, I can't think of it right now, digital extremes, um, who are looking at player feedback and doing their best to implement that as quickly as possible and stay in communication with the rest of the people. Do you need some more slack? No, I'm good now. <clears throat> Sorry if you guys heard a bump. That was my mic moving around. I'm kind of low on slack. But it's always think about that. They, I, I think no, I it agree. adds a, Games, a, a new layer of value to the industry as a whole that people have to contend with. Right, and, and it makes them way more accessible to people who may not want to or can't afford $60 games or $40 games even for that matter. And games like Path of Exile, and like Brett said, Warframe, that do it greatly. I, I don't think that it's a massive problem. I will say that when you're talking about free-to-play games, I do not include mobile games into that conversation because mobile games are known uh, to be pretty terrible when it comes to pay-to-win and microtransactions. Not saying all of them, but I'm saying the ma- the bulk majority of them, uh, they always have tokens and stuff to buy to play more 
or to unlock more time or to unlock certain characters and stuff like that. And that's that's a little iffy on me, uh, specifically the one that locks you out of doing certain things. Like I think Clash of Clans does that, like where you can only do so much within an hour, then you're locked off for another hour until your stuff recharges. That's not really how it works. So it's actually, in a game like Clash of Clans, just to give you a little bit of a framing, that I actually enjoy the style of game. I don't enjoy the way they do it on a phone game because it is free, so they're looking for ways to monetize. So what happens right. is, much like in Warcraft, Warcraft 3, not World of Warcraft, uh, you have the situation where you say, I want to build this, all right? And it does take time so that it's not immediate. It's part of a, st- a strategy thing. It's like, this is going to take this much materials and this much men and this much time. But they're never inordinate amounts of times. It's like, well, I want to build this and throughout the five minutes that That's it takes to build that, is. I go to yeah. something else. In this game, the more that you build, and the better and better you get, the more time you have to start waiting between being able to do something else. So That's it starts taking more 24 more hours yeah. for one thing to be built. That's what it is. It's not, yeah. So that's that's the example I'm thinking of. Because I actually tried to play Clash of Clans uh, at some point in my life. And I don't, I don't, I didn't remember the exact details, but I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm out. Yeah, uh, it's a genre that doesn't get used much in the normal game market anymore. Yeah. So the free-to-play market comes and scoops it up. And I'll say that's another boon to the free-to-play market is it does take genres that have often sometimes been pushed away because they don't make sense from a monetary standpoint anymore and has found a way to repopulize them on other platforms uh, or whatever as a free-to-play method. And they're typically more budgeted games, but if you really like that style of game and considering that the game that we're talking about, they don't come out very often, definitely on consoles, and phones are a little bit more accessible. Well, Command and Conquer just launched one not too long ago on, on mobile, if I remember correctly. Yeah. They showed it at E3 last year. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. So, but that's a great question. I like that question because I strongly think free to play games are a good help for everybody. Yep. But they can be bad, and that's they just one be. of those things. That's the mobile ones. All right. So, Matthew Green, also a patron. Thank, Thank you. you guys. Says. What was the point? I know I said that real weird. Don't worry about it. What was the point of using the touchpad in the menu part of Days Gone? Is the is this part of the pad pointless? Please don't tell me there is stuff in that game that requires you to use touchpad stuff. Not required anywhere. Okay, good. Um, That's well. I, hold on. I say that maybe one thing, and it, but it's so it, it's not, it's so not in your and it's not during gameplay. It's only in the menu. Um, okay, that's fine then. So I the mean, way it works, it depends on how you can frequent. you can you can tap the menu, and I think that actually you don't have to use it at all. I'm trying to remember my time with it. Uh, you can tap the touchpad to bring up the menu like you do in essentially every other game, and then you can navigate the menu from there like you would anything else. You can hit L1, R1, and move between the different parts and move between it. But you can swipe on the touchpad if to you move want on. to be quicker. Then what you can do is if you know that you're wanting to go to the map, then you can swipe up on the pad and instead of it having to open up something else and then you flick over to the map it just goes straight to the map so it's gesture based on that and if you say well I want to go to my inventory then you just swipe left uh, you know what I mean or swipe right and then you just kind of go that way and there, are, there, there's four directions that have key things that you would go to often enough to where if you want to utilize them in that way it speeds it up to where Honestly, a game that I think could use this would be Destiny. Like, now that they've moved the roster thing to the slowest menu part of the whole game, it's like you're having to wait for a lot of stuff just to go pursuits. over. But it'd be great if... Yeah, Pursuits, sorry. Uh, if they moved Pursuits to roster to the roster section or whatever you want to call that, uh, and then let you have a button that dedicated always opened up straight to Pursuits, that would have been much better. One thing I wish there was a button for is that when you have your ghost, maybe, like, hold your ghost down and then hold... S- X or something to go to Traveler. Yeah. That would be nice. Uh, Always but, be able to go back. But yeah. Uh, 
You know, I haven't played Days Gone yet, so I'm kind of curious as how that's going to work for me. I typically don't like stuff like that, though. So I, I like that it wasn't required. Yeah. Now that's something. That's what I mean. Is that like it's not? I, it's not going to bother me because I, if I have the opportunity, I'm not going to use it. Which sounds to me like this game allows you to have. That. Now to offer a separate perspective, one of the people that did have a mild issue with it was Blake, uh, and his setup was that the way that he holds his controller and his thumbsticks. He uses this part of his thumb. Yeah, I remember him showing that picture. So, so he when he was moving it, he was accidentally sli- like sliding on the the touchpad. That just comes down to how you hold a controller. I've seen you. That's not the way you do it. So uh, you shouldn't no. have a huge problem. I accidentally swiped them to to map once. And I can't remember what I was doing, but I was holding the controller in a weird way weird. Uh, with one hand. I'll have to see it. Can you disable it? I don't know because it didn't bother me that much. Okay. I never. And actually, it, I appreciated it. For the speed, like if I knew I was going to the map, I would just swipe. Up, if you could disable or whatever it, that'll it be the best case scenario. So I don't accidentally do it, but since I'm not forced to use it, it doesn't really bother me that much. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess the bigger question here is the. You know, he says, "Is this part of the pad pointless?" Uh, I think I, I'm curious, Matt, if you meant like, is the touchpad in itself pointless, or is this part of trying to use it pointless? I don't think it is necessarily. I think it is a is like a multi. Uh, pressable button then it's a really it's a it works really really well um, I, when you think about the fact that consoles have always had so few inputs in comparison to pc and that technically one addition that's pretty it doesn't really get in your it's not really annoying you don't know it's there unless the game forces you to use it but right. even then i think when the games do use it it's just way, one one addition that gives you way more input options uh and i don't really mind that now, my, my biggest thing is that it, it it requires a next step for backwards compatibility. It so does. Like, and, the and, same and, as the back touchpad on Vita. Vita yeah. And yeah. I, I think that I've said it before, but I love Nintendo systems, but I hate touchscreen stuff when it comes to games. And one of my favorite uh, DS, original DS games, what required the touchscreen to play. Metroid. And, oh, well, that's okay. So two of them. Um, actually, you could use the buttons for that. But uh, Well, the, Metroid the required you, you to move the... Well, it was to move the cursor. No, you could right? you could do that without it. You can use the buttons on both sides. There was something in that game that required you to use touchscreen, and I can't remember what it was. I mean, it might have required you to touch the touchscreen for parts, but like I thought you were talking about the control scheme, like where you can move with the X, A, B, Y, and then you can lo- use your stylus to look like a mouse. Yeah, that's what that, I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's how I played the game. I thought that was the only way you could play no, it. No, you can remap it to the other buttons on the left. You can have oh. the D-pad move you left up right now. And, and I then, did not know that. Yeah. So that must be, and see, that was the thing about the DS times. Uh, Kingdom Hearts games, both of the ones that were on oh. there, were naturally set up to where you had to use a touchpad to turn the camera. But all you had to do was dig into the menu and then use in the, the settings, shoulder. and it would let you use the shoulder button, yeah. which I think was a perfectly fine. The world ends with you require a lot of it, so... That I like. The, I love that game. So, well, see, do you think that that introduces while we're on the topic of Switch? Do you feel like that introduces the same problem of, of ever getting adequate DS or 3DS emulation on something like a Switch? Because there is a touchscreen, but there's not two screens. So, do they just put yeah, yeah, half it, of the it, game here and half of the game on this side of the screen? It like, creates a problem. But something that would be cool to see is that they make like a. Um, I don't know if they could even do this, but it would be essentially a DS collection or something, and you could basically. Like they would repurpose DS models, or they would just make a very brand new model that had like the 50 most popular DS games in it, like the NES Classic. I think that'd be pretty cool. I just feel like companies are leaning on those too much when you could easily do something like the uh, retro, um, what, are, what do they call it? It's not retro. Um, Retrocade? 
Now, what was the... People were asking for it on Switch forever. Oh, virtual market. Virtual, or, or yeah. Virtu- virtual console. Yeah, virtual console. You could do something like virtual console for the Switch and have all the NES games and SNES games and 64 games that some of the other systems would let you play. Um, and people always wanted GameCube. Uh, and I feel like this is the perfect system to let you do GameCube, no problems. Uh, I feel like when you have all of that in your grasp, it seems like one of the only reasons they didn't go toward it is because they realized they also had a great market with the NES Mini and the SNES Mini. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. And, and companies going to do what companies want to do, just yeah. like they're, um, and they're trying to maximize profits. So, and I understand that. I want these companies to stay around. So, even though I think that the PS One Mini was ill advised, I know what Sony was trying to do. Yeah, that makes sense. So, well, interesting. Okay, uh, let's see. Donovan Williams, also a Patreon, says our patron. What was the first band that really spoke to you? A day to remember. Lincoln Park. If I have to go back to like, actually, you know, really, I would say Lincoln Park because like, you got to think about how young we were when you when Lincoln Park blew up. Yeah, I would say Lincoln Park too. So ninety nine, I was six, and there's just something about how edgy it was at the time, and it was just of our time. It was very different. It was a new genre, really. Because he said, "What was the first band?" Right. Yeah, what was okay, the then, first yeah, band that really spoke to you? I'm trying to think of like what like what band spoke to me the best, and that would have been they to remember. But yeah, Linkin Park for sure, Donovan. Good yeah. question. Yeah, great question. Uh, I would be more curious how many other people who listened to us was that your first band that spoke to you? Yeah, I'd let, be let us know. Don't forget, um, there is a Reader Mail discussion tab in our Discord where yeah. we, we discuss questions we answer with you guys. So bring them up. Donovan also asked a second question. What song used to be a happy one that now makes you sad slash nostalgic? Um, I don't know if I have a sad song. I have a nostalgic song. Well, here's the bigger thing about that. Is nostalgia inherently sad? No. I don't think so either. I think nostalgia... Well, I, think- I would generally think nostalgia is positive. I, like, because you're well, you're thinking back to a better time, which in itself is better, even though you may not be in, in that better back place. in a better time implies that where you're at now isn't as good as that. Right. So that, it yeah. is, that's what I mean. Is I think for a lot of people, nostalgia is tied to an inherent sadness, or at least an inherent I guess so longing I, to return to a simpler time. Maybe I'm just more positive in my mind, <laughs> but like it, it, for me, it's like I look back and I'm like, those were some good times, and I might be sad because they're over, but like I'm still. I'm more happy they happened. Yeah, so that you get to remember any, them. Yeah, any negative feeling. But what song? What song? Used to be a happy one. Donovan, I really want to hear your answer on this because I'm assuming that this question came alongside the realization that a song you used to love yeah. now hits you in a way that you don't like as much. Uh, now, Honestly, for me, I would say anything off Grind soundtrack, but most importantly, uh, the used Poetic Tragedy. Okay. It's like, cause like that, for whatever reason, that song is that and blindside. Um, Oh, what is that blindside song called? Well, okay. That's going to be which one. Cause there's the one where they're at the skate park. Oh Lord. The one towards the end. Uh, what, but anyways, what yeah. Blindside song is that? Um, it's, it's one of their more famous songs because of this movie. It's, it's not that one right there. It's the, the pitiful. Yeah, pitiful. Yeah. Pitiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say those two songs because grind is one of those movies that I watched. I probably watch it way more than a hundred times by now. And, uh, throughout different stages of my like childhood to teenage years. And it's just for whatever reason, like that movie is just, I hear those, I hear either one of those songs and I instantly go back to grind. 
Or I think of chili cheese stuff. The nostalgia side, I think, of that one is really interesting. Um, and I think that that's probably the bigger crux of it. Because one of the things that I think Donovan and I both share, and if you're in the Discord and, and saw the music discussion channel recently, you'd know uh, Donovan and I, and, and I have known each other since I was born. Uh, our moms were really good friends growing up. So me and Donovan have just always known each other. Um, but what we both have is that we both like to listen to songs that make that would make most people sad and and technically make us sad but for some reason whatever it is about the sadness that the song brings on to you also adds like a a layer of like I don't I don't know how to describe it it's like it makes me sad but it also makes me relieved it's a very odd feeling that I don't know necessarily how to tell like one of my favorite bands is Hotel Books and if you've never listened to them are very you know, their spoken word, it's very poetry-inspired lyricism uh, that trying to use as a, you know, is very flow-driven. So it, it does fit the beat and fit the atmosphere, and it ties in. But it's pretty sad stuff, and a lot of people who listen to it that I know of don't like to listen to it because it's too sad. That's one of the most common things that I hear people say, but I love it. And it's like there's something about that depression and that... I don't know how to describe it, I guess, but it gives me like goosebumps on my arm that make me feel weirdly alive. It's like being sad is one of the most, like one of the most integral parts to being alive. Cause it's like, I've said it before. I, I think it's really hard to understand the heights of happiness without understanding the lows of sadness. Yeah. So well, that makes per- sense. Perspective thing. Uh, but I also completely understand when people say that some things in general are just too sad for them to want to participate. But there's something about that. When I'm sad, I just delve further into sad things and somehow it makes me feel better. Uh, so on the nostalgic side, too, I think that's a more interesting thing is that there's something that made you happy, but now it makes you nostalgic in a sad way. Uh, and I don't think that happens. But I will say the closest thing I can kind of give as an example to this song uh, is a song that... and. I think the song is from a band called Bastion. Um, Bastion? Yeah, it's a newer band and are, you know, really probably a pop group. Um, Yeah, so it's, oh, Bastille is the singer. My bad. Now I'm understanding where I'm back at. So the song is from the marshmallow-headed guy, and it's called Happier, and the singer that's on it is Bastille. Dude, Marshmallow has some good songs. (laughs) Okay, but anyway, I've never heard anything else from him. but. There's a song that used to come on, and Kyrie loves it, uh, and it's happier. And the lyrics are totally, when you're actually listening to them, it's kind of about like, it, it seems like it's about a relationship that's going on, uh, and that they're getting to a point where they realize that it's really not better for them to be together, so they're going to let each other go because they want each other to be happy still. Uh, and, that, and that's a fine song, and I actually do enjoy the song even like that. And it's a poppy song. I like it. I like some poppy songs. Some of them are written very well. They're catchy. They get stuck in your head and for the better sense. And of course, having a kid helps it. She loves that song. But when grandpa passed, it's like you ever have a song where for some reason the lyrics take on an entirely different meaning, despite the fact that it's obvious that's not what they were about. And it's like you're you're projecting weird meanings onto the lyrics temporarily because of a state of mind that you're in. So it's and it all kind of comes together. So the thought process behind it is that we ended up watching the music video. The video is about this little girl. It's Miranda Cosgrove, and uh, it's her. It, she gets a dog when she's like three or four. Goes through, um, 
and the dog grows up with her and you keep seeing her and then it goes to Miranda Cosgrove and she's like in high school and she's got braces and kids are making fun of her but she goes home and the dog's there to love on her and she keeps going so you see her and the dog go through each other and then the dog is old because she's grown up so much of course and the dog has to be put down uh, because it's sick wow and, that's sad yeah and then the end of the video is her growing up and you see an adult version that's her and you have a, there's a locket around her neck that you see that makes it her and her dad which got her the puppy is now the grandpa of her daughter and the dad comes in with a puppy that looks just like her puppy did and gives it to her daughter and it's like a, the cycle repeats and it's like even though it made her sad to think about it it made her happy at the same time so here music video descriptions with brett um but where that got me is like that was already an inherently really sad video because I love dogs and that crap tore me apart. Uh, so I guess it started making me lean towards a, a really sad version of the song. And then when Grandpa passed, it was like one of these weird things where every time I'd listen to it, I was putting weird meaning onto some of the lyrics. So there's a part that's like, uh, and only for a second, I want to see you smile is one of the lyrics. And I know that it's not about this, but it's like one of those things where for me, it's like, like resonated. the lyric changed so much because for me, it was like grandpa's last two weeks, he wasn't himself at all. And he had like almost no emotion. So what it ended up being was like, for me, after he passed, like there was like two weeks of every time that song come on, I just start crying. Cause and for some reason, when it hits that part, my mind is like, I remember how much those last two weeks, I just wanted to see grandpa smile. Cause he was always a smart ass. Yeah. He would make jokes. So, and look, I even get emotional talking about it. It's weird. But that's an example of a song that had no weird feelings toward. But now when it comes on, I do catch like this real weirdly emotional impact and kind of weight on my shoulders. Uh, it's odd. So there you go. That's one of them. I think that was our last Facebook question. Thank okay. you, Donovan. Great question. Even Great if question. Uh, a little, it seemed like it was a weird one to come in into. But hey, you know what? You got a weird story out of it. Um, so Facebook, Twitter, see. Discord, right? Or is it Facebook, Discord, Facebook, Twitter? Discord. Twitter. Yeah, yes. it rolls yeah. off the tongue that much better. It doesn't matter. Okay, yep, you're good. Go okay. ahead. Okay, so first question on Twitter, our good buddy Ryan Jones. He says, what's the last game you got overly hyped for, consuming as much info as you can find about it, daydreaming about what it will be like to play, only to be utterly disappointed when you got it? Mine's Metal Gear Solid 2. Sweet High dreams. on Metal Gear Solid 1 and media, and 2's media coverage, I quit when I got to Raiden. Raiden, my bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so preface to this, uh -huh. did you see our whole conversation that kind of led to this question? No. So what happened? We were talking about Death Stranding. Uh, I shared something on Twitter that was the collector's edition, and what I was talking about is I actually thought that the collector's edition was a cool use of a collector's edition because it would have been a lot easier for them to go with a... Uh, I think we talked about this last episode. It would have been a lot easier for them to go with a traditional statue of just Sam or whoever in the game. And instead, they chose to take something that's going to be iconic and memorable from the game. And made it the piece. And made it the piece. So it's the bridge baby. So I said I applaud them doing something more unique and different with it. And somehow that devolved into the conversation of, you know... It got into the point where there was people saying that don't get too hyped for it because you don't know what it's going to be and that it could bring you down. And we started talking about how Metal Gear has had some ups and downs as a franchise. Not every game has actually been perfect. Uh, some of them have been weak. Um, so it's one of those things. What led to that, though, and then we started talking about times where a lot of the time I understand that I come off from a very middle kind of fence-sitting situation where I... I have trained myself as much as possible to have my own opinion, but try and, and understand where people you are. You are the devil from. when it comes to advocating. Yeah. 
but more so that it's more than just playing the devil's advocate. It's also being the person who understands why the the person is advocating for their side. Right. So it's like, what's the difference in understanding where it comes from? Um, and, you know, we were talking about games, and he was like, well, what was the last time that you bought a game that really just disappointed you? And I have those examples, and I think oftentimes I don't give them enough because I, I try to be positive about games because – I know that nine times out of ten, these products are game. The, the developers behind these games wanted to do something better than what maybe ended up coming out, or maybe it's exactly what they wanted. You know, you never know. But people put a lot of time, energy, and effort into it. And just because it's not for me, does not mean that it's bad. And even if I do think it's bad, does not mean that it's not good to someone else. One of my biggest examples of that is always how I talk so fondly about the order despite so many people viewing a lot of negatives about the order, but the negatives, I hardly talk about them because the positives outweigh them. So, um, so a couple of examples that I gave him, uh, were games that just, I really were, I was thinking in my mind, I got stoked for this and then it just didn't end up happening. One of them was fallout four, right? Uh, fallout four was a game from the get go. Like I loved three and then I really loved new Vegas. And then we got around to the point where four was coming. And I remember thinking, Eh, something about this looks off. It still looks old. It it looks like it's trying to. I didn't care for the talking protagonist. There's all sorts of things that I, I was like, this is, just seems like a weird step for the franchise. And then I got it. And essentially, what disappointed me, and this is the thing, I did beat the game, but I have never played a Bethesda game until that moment where, when I beat the mainline story, which I also just rushed through, I didn't do a single side quest because I, I did like, a few. I did the Brotherhood stuff. Anyway, so I went through that, and I got to the end, and it was like, well, that was the end, and there's side content, but the game has not compelled me with enough reason to want to even explore the side content that I just got to the point where I was like, I immediately turned the game off and have not played it since, and I don't feel like I even ever will want to play it. So that's a great example for me. I mean, that is really one of the games that really let me down. Um, And then I think if you want to talk about a post-launch one, I mean, Anthem has hit me in a weird spot. I really enjoyed the game, and I've played it for 80-plus hours. uh, And I actually liked it a lot more than Division 2, as much as the Division 2 is a clearly good game. And it launched in better shape with more content, with better feedback, all that stuff. But at its core, I can't help from feeling that I enjoyed Anthem's gameplay a lot more, and I enjoyed Anthem's story a lot more. I can't even tell you the story of the Division 2 because I care that little. I tried, and it's just, I don't like the way it's presented. I don't care for the story it's trying to tell. Something about it is not clicking with me. I don't know if it's what it is, but that's an example for me. What's up, Saul? Anthem. What's Anthem by and large, because... I don't even have motivation to play that game now. I don't care if there is content in there that looks fun to play. There's no future to that game that I can see. So I don't want to waste time on it. It's like playing Destiny when I knew Destiny was going to be, or I knew if Destiny was going to die in the next year. It's like there's no point wasting my time. I'd rather put it into a game where there is a future. I'll tell you this. If you asked me right now if I think you should play Anthem, the answer is no. If you asked me at launch if I think you should play an anthem, yes, and the that answer was, the, was yes. And I thought the same thing. Uh, that's the trickery that went in behind. Even that, though which I don't, why, even though the game launched in a weird state, I think if you would have, I think even now, I'll I'll still say if you played anthem in the first four weeks of launch, you got the closest point of whether you're going to end up getting a game that you could put enough time and effort and play with other people with and still enjoy yourself. After that first month, month and a half player base started falling off and that's still been an issue. I don't have very many people to play with. So there's a lot of things that come off of that. I'm with you. I understand that. But I mean, cause 
you played Anthem, and I think this happened to both of us, right, to an extent. Uh, but we both took it different ways. I played the beta, and you played the beta. Yes. The beta, for me, solidified the fact that I like the game in terms of the core concept. For me, it gave me hope, but it was rocky. And I was like, they'll have these ironed out by launch. And, and I thought launched, so, too. Nothing was fixed. And yeah. it was literally like playing the beta again. And then they came out like a week later, and they're like, hey, we fixed matchmaking. And, and they did. Like, yeah, they did. And it was just like... But you okay, were already past it. I was already past it, it. Yeah. yeah. So, but... Anthem for me, for sure. Uh, our good buddy and patron, William, says, Do you think hybrid consoles like the Switch are the future, or should we keep the more traditional console approach? Myself, I love the ability to play something like Breath of the Wild during my commute to and from work, but then drop in the Switch dock and continue playing on my TV. Perfect question, William, because I like this question. I will always be a handheld person when it comes to preferences. So I'm all for any console that wants to adapt this uh, Switch formula. Um, whether that's for the best of everything, I don't know. I would think not because it's it's rough optimizing two versions of a game, essentially. And not only that, but then things get tricky with different ports and different games and different developers because they're having to essentially optimize two versions of the game, one for handheld mode and one for full-screen display. <clears throat> But I love handhelds, and I actually love the Switch and the idea of the Switch, and I would be supportive if Sony ever came out with a new handheld that could do the same. Yeah. I think my answer is that I like the optimism behind the idea of the Switch, but I think that the reality of technology is that something that's going to be able to do what the Switch does will always have to be because of battery and things like that and heat you know, processing and size and everything will always have to be notably weaker than a console brethren. And I think that by doing that, you actually would push, you would push competition in the handheld market. Not even that. I'm trying to get the way to say you, you would actually lose momentum in pushing gaming forward. Absolutely in not. In some sense. Absolutely not. Now, <clears throat> let me explain why. And I think, and you still may just disagree, but what I mean by that is like, you're going to lose a lot of processing power, which means that actually more unique ideas, which are so seldom these days already, uh, like Death Stranding. I don't know if Death Stranding as a whole could have worked on something that was trying to do what the Switch does, not only from its online connectivity, but from what he wants to do from a storytelling standpoint, which well, that's seems why to would, be very much on the brink of... It would push creativity and innovation. Well, it would push, and, it, and it, would push it in a different direction, and I don't necessarily know that that direction's worse. But well, I don't either. That's what, what I'm I mean saying, by though. so uh, something like um, No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky is something that actually does utilize the power of modern consoles in a way that old consoles couldn't have done, and also uses, excuse me, internet and online in ways definitely with the upcoming stuff in ways that old consoles couldn't have done either necessarily as well uh, and tying into a server for asynchronous things and how the uploading of stuff works. So I think that some of the few truly innovative ideas that we get, some of them are tied to power being able to move forward and allowing people more ways to have something interesting to do. I think when you add in the element of everything being so underpowered and then having to spend so much time on making sure that things are both, um, optimized for the handheld version and for when it's plugged into a dock, it gets weird to a point where I think a lot of the things that I've loved about a lot of games recently would not have been able to happen. I think that a lot of the cinematic nature of the order that I love so much that gave me a really cool detailed world would not have been able to happen on, on, on a console that was trying to have specs like a switch it just wouldn't have worked. No. Um, but that also depends on what's important to you in a game. 
And because I think a lot of people use games specifically for gaming and they use movies to give them their storytelling. So I think that that's why sometimes a game like the order can come along. And even though it does the storytelling and movie aspects, the cinematic aspects really well, and, but it doesn't give enough in the game aspect that what happens is because they don't care about the story and cinematic stuff as much as they want a game part, then that comes off as a bad rub to them. And that's fair. And that's a reasonable, uh, you know, critique of a game. But for somebody like me, it was something that I enjoyed because that's my primary medium of getting stories. Um, so I think what I mean by that is that when you have the element, I don't know that there's any game on the Switch that has come out that has had cinematic elements at all because it's not to the benefit of the, or it's not well, to yeah. the strengths of the hardware. And that's fine. And sometimes you get stuff like where, Certain games will utilize that. Like, well, we realize this is a strength, so what we're going to do is lean into a very unique art style uh, to uh, co to compensate for the fact that we can't have a realistic cinematic nature, but instead we can have a really vibrant, cartoony nature that is very unique. When you see it, you go, "That's I, that game." I'm going to be honest with you. There's a flaw in your logic. Well, I mean, please. only Sony gamers care about cinematic experiences. I don't think that that's necessarily true either. I think that but I think Sony caters most, to them more than most anybody. of them yeah. are Sony fans. And by that, I mean that most people have a switch know what they're getting when they buy a switch. They're yeah, not looking absolutely, for those experiences. Absolutely. But um, I guess to, to say, answer the question and go ahead. What, oh, well, I was just going to say just to say that the same would be that like for on Vita, they had uncharted, which mm -hmm. you would say would actually fit the bill for what you're talking about. Yeah, but when, it still wasn't as much as it was cool. Well, to it, be would, handheld, it would fit the bill the closest, but it wasn't enough. Right. Yeah. Just like probably breath of the wild would probably fit the bill the closest depending on people. Yeah. Who, yeah. But it still wasn't quite enough. Right. You know? Yeah. And or I'm even, not saying, I'm not saying to fully replace the consoles, yes. but I'm saying to supplement them. I think that, and I've said it before is that the switch PS4 gaming PC combo is the best way to experience video games right now. See, I agree with that wholly. I thought, and that might be that we're reading the question differently. Is no, he, he just do said, more consoles go that route, and do we well, that's, get rid that, of the that's traditional what That's consoles? what he's asking. I'm just opening the floor yeah. for the discussion on the type of the console. Yeah, I don't agree with replacing the traditional console with it, but yeah, I agree I'm, with I'm always saying, having an option that has that route. Right. I'm not saying to take all the consoles off the market and then do that. I would say, though, that it'd be interesting if each company had one of these as a side console to supplement. Like Gideon. Gideon is always talking about having the PSP, PS4P, the PlayStation 4 Portable, mm -hmm. and in the form of like a switch in which you can literally download PlayStation 4 games and play them on the go and I don't know if his model incorporated a dock I don't think he ever talked about that uh, I think his is very much just on the idea of having a PS4 that's just in your hands yeah and that would be amazing if companies started releasing and we talked about that in multiple episodes too of, of, of releasing a mini version a handheld version of their current console uh, but it gets really really tricky but yeah to agree with Brett I don't agree that uh, they should just disappear yeah uh, let's see Sean Juanillo says, you find yourself awake in the middle of a zombie outbreak. What is your one choice of a weapon? I don't know. Something sharp laying around. Thunderlord from Destiny 2. I don't think, I think this is realistic. <laughs> That's why I'm like, I don't really know what the answer would be. Well, here's the thing. Realistic can't coincide with zombies because zombies aren't real right so you have to well there's well, that's gotta the be a level fun part about it though is that like just imagine if the one thing is taken true it's a zombie okay well coming. take what Thunderlord is and put it in the real world i want a gatling gun i want to be able to it, gatling guns be can't able, fire thunder i mean I, lightning okay that's fine but i just want to be able to take down a hordes of enemies is there gatling if guns i in needed gone? to no there's not oh, well that's lame yeah think about Missed it opportunity well one of the things this is just an example for days gone that i think you will this is something I thought was cool from a world building aspect. When you're getting enemies and stuff, what happens is, or when you're getting guns and stuff, 
they're rated based off of what they would have been used for. So it's like a one is like a gun that anybody would have had in their house. And it's just like a kind of a normal gun. Right. Then you start getting like. Self-defense to se- Well, then it starts being like, oh, it's, how is it specced? And then the, the highest spec is military spec. Right. And it's like, so that's. And a chain gun would really be a military spec weapon, but the world's been down for two years and you're in an isolated area. So how many of those would be around? Yeah. So, but, uh, I know Brett owns a gun and I own a gun. Um, our guns and we're going <laughs> to, our guns, our guns. That's the weapon I'm going to grab because that's honestly the, the most, uh, probably logical bet. No Faye asked us three more questions. I'm trying to keep it simple because it's No Faye and William again. So I'm trying to alternate it. But yeah. uh, it's about to just be a rush of No Fates. So okay. William asked again. Uh, of course, once again, he is a patron. So thank you for that. He says, how do you feel about games as a service model? Games that aren't necessarily multiplayer but are tied to online services to operate. I inherently dislike them because of the fear of the game flops. They'll kill the server and I end up with a $60 coaster. I think it's very rare that that happens. But what I will say that is something to take into consideration uh, I think we actually did a, a full topic on this last like last year, didn't we? Yeah, Maybe. it was. It was about Division and uh, Rainbow Six Siege. That was one of the first thumbnails I made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I love them. I think that they work well when they work well. And I think that what that means is that when, when game devs are pushing them out and they are supplementing them properly, they are providing content updates for them properly, they are making nice uh, meta changes inside the game that are good for multiplayer games mainly, to focus on weapon changes and buffs and nerfs and stuff like that, like Apex does, like uh, Overwatch does, like Destiny does. If you have a strong developer behind your, behind your side on that when it comes to these kind of games, you're ace. If you have a bad developer on the back on the back end, Bioware, yeah, it's it's a complete utter failure. But I agree with you. That's why I do think that it is not to blame games as a service as a business model. It's to blame Sony and everybody else in the world who doesn't offer refunds yet the way they should. I think it's to blame people for trying to jump into a market that they see exploding. Right. If I had to say anything, and I understand why they're doing it, again, EA goes, well, this is a market that we don't have a game for yet, and if we can, we can make a great game, hopefully, that will tap us into this market, and then we get some of that market share, and we are part of that. But I think what ends up happening in that situation is sometimes it's more about just trying to break into a market, and it's not making sure that you have the right team behind it. I think that as much as that expose revealed from Kotaku about uh, Anthem and BioWare's development thing, where a lot of it was that there was nobody from EA coming in and telling Bioware that, hey, we're telling you to make this game and play this game. If you want to make it, that's great. But if you're going to make a game that is a game to the service, you do need to look at your contemporaries and make sure that you're not copying mistakes from them or you're learning lessons that they learned the hard way and not getting in the same situation. And the problem with Anthem is that it launched as if it were a game that you were meant to play once, like a story-driven game, which is like what I've done, and I have no drive to go back to it as a game as a service. It was fun as a game. As a game as a service, it very much rests on the laurels of is it going to have enough of a player base for it to survive? And very, there's a high chance that my Anthem digital purchase will be useless if the game doesn't pick back up because they're going to kill the servers. Yeah. So reasonable fear. Yeah, I, I understand. Um, <clears throat> Sean says... <laughs> <laughs> Other than just pure awesomeness, what are your thoughts on the announced Twisted Metal TV series? I'm scared for it because typically these kind of TV series don't work out too well because they end up going Death Wish, and I do not. I was not a fan of Death Wish. At Death all. Wish. Death Wish is a uh, 
made by George Romero, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wait, hold on. I, no, no, no. I got that wrong. I know Corey just sitting there like, what is he doing? Is it a movie? Yeah, or actually... Or was it a series? I might No, it's a movie, but I think I actually have the name wrong. What's it about? Car racing. Death Race? Oh, yeah. That's one. It's not... Um, is it Eli Roth that does those? Here, look. You're talking about this one right here. This is the one that he shared on the other episode with Jason Statham in it. That, I don't think that's it, though. This thing is sitting at a 6.4 on IMDb. Who made this movie? That's how I'm going to know if I know this is what I'm talking about or not. Paul S. Anderson, no. Jeremy Bolt. But so essentially it's a car combat movie. Or, Maybe it was Death or Race. Is it a, or yeah, is it's a it... car combat movie. But like typically they just end up being nitty gritty. And of course you got to focus on characters a lot for character development. And... Well, that's what I'm curious about. I don't think that Death Race really did. And I don't think that it's got as oh, interesting. how bad it is. The same way that Mario focused on a story that was bad because it only translates well into a game. And I think that's what the problem is with this That is that... They actually have cool characters, though, to focus on, which is the saving grace. That's what I was going to say. Uh, I think part of the reason is that a movie like Death Race is grounded in entirely reality, whereas a lot of the things in Twisted Metal are focused on, technically they could be real, but a lot of them are very characterized. And I mean that yeah. as in, like, they're written as characters. Each person's going to be very different from the other. And they're not only going to be different from personality traits, they're going to have a stick about them. And it's very much the idea of a character. And more like, you know, when you have, when you bring in character actors to play them. So it's like, well, this guy's going to be an insane and they're, they're, clown dude. Yeah, they are like, by all definitions, the most vivid example of a character. Yeah, I they agree. They are very characteristic in terms of who they are, what they represent. Like, what if we attitudes. made a character and made sure all of them are twisted in some way? Yes, and it's 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 actually really cool. So that that's the saving grace for me. Um, please just don't let CW produce that show. Well, no, I mean PlayStation handles production. No, I know. So. Just, please don't let people who work at CW produce that show. <laughs> I don't. It's, I don't know what it is, dude. But the CW shows like Supernatural and Flash and all those shows, like the special effects in those shows are so bad. I can't handle Twisted Metal with bad special effects. I don't want Twisted Metal to come PS1 off campy. Twisted Metal, huh? I don't want it to come off campy. Well, that's the one thing I'm worried about because I think it will, regardless yeah. of what you do. But, I um, think best best plans are like I talked about in the last episode, where they roll through and they let it be each episode, and they never they don't let it go on too too long. Every episode is one character that you follow them for an entire story, and it's essentially independent episodes, like we talked about with uh, Black Mirror. Oh well, yeah, that too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, where <laughs> where they're all individual stories that they could be in the same universe and we don't really clarify it but the, the through line is always going to be that Calypso's involved and you just let every episode go that we route actually, and I think that would be fun said Twisted Metal was like we actually made that comparison and for some reason I got God Warrior in my head somehow. Yeah. but uh, our last question for Sean Neo which actually is a really good question and it ties back into an older episode we did as well about controlling hype he's <laughs> <laughs> he did not say that Ooh, sorry about that. Spit went down the wrong pipe. He said, do the success of The Last of Us raising the bar so high, even if The Last of Us 2 is a great game, do you think the hype surrounding it is too much, that it's almost impossible to hold up expectations? Yes. And he even says, uh, to go on as an example, Uncharted 2 to 3. I fully believe that that is the case, which is why we've said it before. It's very important to control your hype, because I can almost guarantee you, for me, this game is not going to be better than one. Um... One had something special to it. It has nostalgia tied to it for me. It has characters that I loved and developing with them in one. Now that they're already developed, 
it's going to be harder to get those kind of capture essences in this game for me. And um, some of the mystery is gone, too. And some of the mystery is gone. Um, but one truly is a masterpiece of a game in, in terms of looking back at a character created for a video game and feeling emotion towards that character because you played with or traveled with that character and grew with them. Now, the only thing that I think that would surpass it for me is that the ending has to be perfect. And I ha- I, 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 since I've grown with this series so much, the ending has to feel like it makes sense and it has to feel perfect to that universe. And so I already know I'm not getting super hyped up for this game. I am really excited, but I am well, uh, Death Stranding. I was like, what was the other game coming out this year in November? I, I, well, it went to Pokemon. For Your now, one it, hyped game? Well, no, it went to Pokemon in my head. No, I'm hyped for Pokemon. I'm hyped for Astral Chain. But, uh, I'm talking about on PlayStation. On PlayStation, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that there is potential for it to fail and fall flat. Anything can go wrong. Do I think it'll happen? No. Uh, but I don't think that I will like it as much as I liked the first game. I agree. My stance on it is very much in the round of uh, I do think it's I think it's possible for the game to be overhyped. I don't necessarily and I think it's possible for the game to to genuinely not be as good as the first game. But I think Saul would agree. I think that something about the first game, as much as I had that name recognition for Naughty Dog and love the Uncharted games, uh, I don't necessarily know that Saul had that because he didn't play the Uncharted games until later. But Saul, would you think it's a safe to say that the first game, even though you were like, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Do you feel like it caught you off guard a little bit with how good it truly was to you? I was caught no, off guard with how much I, it actually resonated Mainly because me. of how late I played this series, the word of mouth was already there. Sure, but I, I played it at launch, so I, that's fair. Well, I will say, though, that a good app comparison to what you are trying to make is the beginning of 2. I've heard that the beginning of 2 is a masterpiece. And I wasn't even... And I've heard it hyped up, and I was like, okay, I know this is going to be good. I wasn't prepared for how good it really was. Oh, Uncharted 2? Yeah, the, yes. the train sequence and everything. Uh, so the game kind of falls flat towards the end. But, um, yeah, it worked out really, really well. And that's the thing, right, is that... I've learned more and more that we've done this podcast, and I think you can go back even and, and on that hype about Final Fantasy VII and, and Kingdom Hearts, is that it's what I'm doing right now with Final Fantasy VII. It is that is I'm controlling that hype, and I'm making myself make realistic judgments about the game that I actually feel is going to happen instead of off-putting it as, it's Final Fantasy VII, it's going to be good no matter what. I'm actually looking at it, and that's one of the reasons I took the stance on both episodes shouldn't be 60 bucks. it's just Final Fantasy VII. And that's kind of like in my head is like, it's not a defense mechanism, but I am being realistic with myself uh, because in my head, games like Anthem and technically D2 at launch, but I really, really liked D2 at launch. Uh, Destiny 2. Yeah. It's just, just to be clarified. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the, the month and a half or two months after the game came out, it kind of fell flat for me and I was kind of let down by that. But there's a lot of games this generation that have really, 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 really let me down. And I decided to stop kind of caring about everything that goes into uh, the game when it comes to media. Like, I'm just going to stop worrying about it. The one time I'm going to let my hype get over-controlled. I'm just going to say it right now. Fuck Bethesda. But boy, I'm going to be excited during Bethesda's E3. Like, I know I won't be able to control that. Like, Bethesda, you're a liar. Todd Howard is not to be trusted. And I'm really, really, really kind of pissed off with what happened with Fallout 76. But when they start showing Elder Scrolls, that's just going to go away. And I can't help it. I'm still curious if they're going to. I guarantee you they are. They're going to show, I can tell you right now, they're going to show Elder Scrolls, Starfield, Doom 2. 
And then maybe an update on like an update of some kind of Fallout seventy six. We'll and see. then and then Todd Howard's gonna throw jokes about bugs in the game. Yeah. Bet me a thousand dollars, somebody. I'll take you up on it. I well, look, I ahead. agree though. And the one question I have is kind of a, a thing because I, I did notice that you're you're trying so hard to not get hyped up about Final Fantasy seven. It's not being it's, I'm not trying hard at all. I'm just being realistic. Okay. I'm not I'm not mentally thinking in my head. Constantly, I know, but you've already relegated yourself to position, it seems like, to where it's like you're going to go on the attack quicker than you're going to just accept it. No, and that's fine. And I no, don't think that's a bad it's thing. It's not an attack. It's just it's just stopping analyzing something before I just make assumptions about how good it's going to be. But do you not feel like that automatically puts you in a sense? And, I, and I'm not saying, and I do this too to some extent, but do you not feel like on both of our accounts that by doing that sometimes you actually hamper your ability to genuinely end up loving something because you were too concerned about not getting overhyped? No, because here's the thing is that if you control your expectations, you may go into a movie like Avengers. I am. And this is just playing devil's advocate, by the way. I think I know where you're going. And I I agree for the most part. It's a, it's like an Avengers. I've said before, I'm not the biggest Marvel cinematic fan. There's really good ones in there, like infinity war and some Iron Man movies and Thor and guardians. But I'm not one of those people that are going to go see it on opening night at midnight. I'm not going to be one of those people who are going to watch an, uh, analysis videos uh, every single day about trailers and stuff. But I enjoy them. I, like, I genuinely, they always come out on my birthday week. And it's been a thing for like the past, you know, whatever long, 10 years, I guess, that, that there's a Marvel movie in the birthday month of mine. And I'm going to go see that Marvel movie. Um, but I went into Endgame, and I was super excited for Endgame. Not so much because of what happened in it, but because of the, just the conclusion of how long it's been that I've been watching these movies. Sure. And I went in. and The I was, same thing that Kingdom Hearts was trying to capture in on yes. at the beginning of the and year. That, actually, that's even a better example. But yeah, long story short, with Kingdom Hearts and Endgame, was that I went in and I'm like, there's multiple ways that they can end this, and I will love it. There's multiple ways they can end this, and, they'll, and I'll hate it. I'm not going to worry about that at all. I'm going to go in and I'm going to have a good time. And of course I, I try not to get out of expectations when it comes to stuff, depending on what it is. Kingdom hearts three. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew the way they're going to end that game was they were going to, re- they're going to wrap up arcs all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I knew that for a fact in the back it's of kingdom hearts pacing. That's yeah, the way they've always how, done. That's it's, it's how those games have always done. And I knew like within the last four hours, I guess of the game, depending on how long it takes you to beat the last section, which took me about four hours. Um, yeah, it's. I knew that that was going to happen. That they're going to wrap up everybody's story arc, and I was perfectly okay with it. Like, it, 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 some people wouldn't know that that was a pacing problem. I was perfectly okay with it. It's and just I, what I'll even say to. it is a pacing problem, but it's a problem that the series has had forever. Besides the first game, the first game is the only game that's actually well paced throughout the whole thing, in my opinion. And that's because Dream Drop Distance is the best paced game. Dream Drop, yeah. I would argue that Dream Drop has the exact same problem that 3 has, where every bit of relevant information for the plot happens in the last bit. Well, no, and I'm not saying that that one thing will make it the best pacing, but the way they do the character changes and stuff help with the pacing. I mean, no more. I thought the game was fun. A lot of people hated it. Uh, uh, and I, I thought across the board it was a it. pretty good game. But I think Kingdom Hearts 1's pacing, and we're losing the force for trees a little bit, but we are. Kingdom Hearts 1's pacing is just not held back by existing games or, or even the need for future games. It was a game that was entirely made on the fact of this could be the only game this game could fail. So we want the story to be as good as possible within its own existence, and then if we decide to expand on it, we can. Which is what ha- well. well Without saying anything much more, there's an ending cutscene of it that's hidden. I think I had to look it up on YouTube. 
because uh, I didn't care to go get everything for it. And it like for Kingdom Hearts three, yeah. For okay, three. yes, gotcha. for three, and then the uh, final cutscene that happened after yes. everything was said and done. Those two things like blew my expectations out of the water with that, and it got me really hyped up. My last impressions of something are my most important. First impressions don't matter when it comes to games. At it's all. the feeling that you get once you've rolled. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is that that's what makes a game important to me because, or that's part of what game makes a game important to me because the game can start off and have a bad frame rate, but when you think of it like Demon Souls, you're like, yeah, this is rough. But when you second, you beat that that boss. And same thing with Bloodborne, brain mm-hmm. pacing problems out the butt. Second, you beat that final boss. It was good, and. To tie back into the question about The Last of Us, I actually, I think this part of it too is that the the ending for The Last of Us was kind of contentious, but it yeah. felt perfect. People hated it. Like, I loved it. I thought that it worked on a level that well, made Even when people hated it, it, it was like, it wasn't that they hated it as much as it was like they didn't agree. It was like they had agree or disagree with it. And it's like, Well, yeah, oh. I think it was a either you love it or hate it because there's only two sides to the ending, right? Yeah, but I just think it was, you hate it if you disagree with what he did and you love it if you're like, I understand why he did it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but I, I'm with you, but I I think for the part, I think that was to the game's strength, right? Because even if you didn't care about the rest of the game for whatever reason, I think at that point you're like, whoa, what? Endings are important. I do think that you're right. The way that something carries with you is going to last way more based off of its final impression than its first. And speaking of Last of Us 2, I better see a Joel reveal real soon because <laughs> I'm getting kind of anxious. And I've said it before that if Joel's dead at the beginning of this game, I, like, I'm going to lose all hope because... I grew with Ellie just as much as I grew with Joel, and that's I, a that's I, a duo right there for me. I agree with you in the largest sense that early on they kept saying that the sequel, if they were going to do one, had a high chance of being set in the same universe but being completely new. Characters. Which is what I had my expectations set for. And now that they've, if you're going to put Ellie in, you I feel like you've got to put Joel in yeah. too. And and now here's the thing: even if that means that somewhere in this game he dies. That's fine. It's yeah. just, it, not in the first hour. But he too. needs to be in the and game. And it needs to be a it needs to be a um, a death that is honorable. It well, just it doesn't needs, need to be it a, needs a, to be a death that is earned. That too. I to mean, where well, that's when what you I mean. get yeah, there, it has to be important. There needs to be feels, importance behind it. Right. Don't just yes. kill him off because you want to kill him off. Yeah. Back over to Discord for the last uh, section. We have start off with quick fire questions. I think we have two quick fire questions. No, well we do have two sections. They're just not back to back like I thought. Okay. And this is from our good patron Kiki. He says. Classical art or modern art? Modern. Modern. This is quick fire. You gotta be fast. Beer or wine? Neither. Beer. I know. I don't know where that came from. Wine. Uh, camping or binge watching shows at home? <laughs> binge watching shows. shows at home. Shows a lot about us. Working alone or working in a team? Alone. Alone. I think I'm more productive alone. So. Alone. Dining or delivery? Oh, dining. Delivery. Sweater or hoodie? Hoodie. The only reason I need to know is what does sweater mean? Because it's does it, it, zipper which, jacket. Okay, that, that's what I'm making sure. Button of. jacket, zipper jacket, zipper jacket. So I call them hoodies. That's the only reason that I have to stop on this question a for a second. Over. Okay, zip up hoodies is I, what I go with. So I'm gonna about, call that sweater. The only thing I hate about hoodies because they're much more comfier than those, but I can't like I can't do my hair because then I'm having to wear a hoodie. Then I have to do my hair and it's hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, comic book or cotton or comic strips, cotton strips, <laughs> comic book or comic strips, books, book, motorcycle or bicycle, motorcycle, bicycle, books or ebook, 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 when sleeping fan or no fan fan required box fan required either. It really just comes down to, I need some form of noise. So if not a fan music, I'm fine with that. Ninjas or pirates, ninjas, ninjas, TV shows or movies, 
TV shows. TV Long shows. form TV shows specifically. Text or phone call? Text. Phone, well, phone call. Phone call. Could you yeah. get done? Yeah. You can phone get call. Done. I need to know something. I need you to put up the phone right then and there. Yeah, I agree. Call. Day or night? night? Night. Love it or mo- love it? Money? Love or money. I think love or money. <laughs> love it, money. Oh, <laughs> uh, love. Yeah, love. Yeah. Love it, money. That does the. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cheesecake or fruit pie? Cheesecake. cheesecake. Easy. Paper or plastic? Both kill the environment, so plastic. This makes me think of the little rascal scene where he comes up and they're trying to rebuild their basin. Paper or plastic? <laughs> uh, Doctor Who or Walking Oh, wait, yeah, you need to answer. Paper? <laughs> Doctor Who or Walking Dead? Doctor. I mean, no, 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 no. Walking Dead. Neither. Up to season three. Then after, they're both bad. Google or Bing? Google. Easy. Google? Who uses Bing? The guy who was doing my insurance quote for me today was like, let me go over to Bing. And I literally wanted to be like, what kind of monster uses yeah, Bing? Yeah, you don't use that insurance agent. Witches or wizards? Wizards. Wizards. Cool name. Piercings or tattoos? Tattoos. Tattoos, I guess. Well, piercings aren't as permanent. Piercings. Sandals or sneakers? Sneakers. Sneakers. Yeah. I like wearing flip-flops in the summertime, though. Bagels or toast? Bagels. Much more substance to that. You could do more Toast unless you're throwing me a blueberry bagel. Sweet or salty? Salty. Sweet. Sweet and salty is the best. Yeah, I was going to say that's that sweet and sour chicken. Um, Facebook or Twitter? Twitter, obviously, because I don't have a Facebook. Twitter. Steak uh, or chicken? Steak. Steak. Now, this dude did some research in our hometown for this <laughs> He just last hears question. us talking about it all the time. 30 I burger or, or actually, some burger? Have, 30 burger. We've never talked about some burger. Kiki, you spying on yeah, us? Yeah. Kiki he plans did to re- visit, so I'm sure he's looking at places. He literally... Uh, 30 yeah, burger. Yeah. Easily. Some burger, they, they alienated their their base their customer base when they made a joke about people who put eggs on their burgers and they're like we have real burgers here and it's like yeah we're just we're just shut, a normal good shut old the hell fashioned up. burger you're a burger joint yep um oh limited said, edition console or regular console it's the last one from him limited edition huh the last question was limited edition console or regular console that's not the last question it's it, it was the last quick fire that you skipped that's not quick fire it's on a whole different day. No, it's not. Oh, I thought, yeah, limited edition or regular console. Regular. Limited. Have it black and blends up my whole setup. There's uh, an argument for that, but limited just because it's yeah. cool. Do you guys think the PS5 will be the last physical disc for Sony? Nope. Absolutely not. The last console with physical disc? I don't yeah. think so. I think Sony realizes that because of how global they are and how much systems they sell in other places... Uh, that are not caught up with us on the internet side, that they will always make sure that discs are there so that way they don't have to make multiple SKUs. One of the things that I think Microsoft's making a mistake with, with the Xbox One All Digital, and I realize that they're willing to take the hit so that they can set themselves up for a future where when they say we're coming out with a new Xbox that doesn't have disc at all, that people are prepared for it, I think that separating your SKUs means that your production costs are going to change around in some it's ways. It's a smart move, but only have one other SKU than that. Like, don't have an Xbox One S, don't have an Xbox One X, don't have an Xbox One S. And it gets more weird, right? Because now i got 500 gig Xbox One S, one terabyte yeah. Xbox One S. It, it made everything convoluted, even though I applaud them for having the courage to do that. Because that's kind of a dumb the, decision. They are setting age. up for the but, future. Yeah, it's I just think it's move. a weird move right now. Our good buddy El Chabib comes yep. in through the Discord instead of Twitter. He says, I am intrigued by Death Stranding, and the trailer made me look forward to the title even more. What other games had you intrigued this way in the past? Future games, perhaps, as well? I, I don't think any game. I have one, and it's just because of the same situation. Oh. And it ended up being because it was vaporware in the long run. Not t- I mean, PT? 
No. PT actually is one of PT them, is but it's not the game that first came to mind. Final Fantasy 13 Versus. It was something that we just kept yeah. knowing so little about, and then we kept seeing it, we kept seeing it, kept seeing it, and then 15 comes out, and it's nothing because it wasn't the same director and it was remade. But I had just the, oh, the, the most... Every bit of what they showed about 13 Versus intrigued the hell out of me. It's everything I love about... Everything, Everything Tetsuya Nomura does. It's putting it in another series that I've loved and doing it in a way that's going to be, uh, for the first time in that series, was going to be full real-time combat and taking the series in a far more adult orientation in terms of, well, I'm not going to say adult orientation. That's not fair. A far more dark aesthetic than I feel like they haven't hit realistically since 7. Seven's aesthetic is amazing because it's dark and brooding and like... Yeah, and there's actually a question. Well, Saul violated the rules. You're not supposed to type anything but questions in there. I'm kidding. It doesn't matter. I don't, yeah. That is a good question, though. Should be. I'm going to go with PT for mine, too. Because PT is a great one, one I wanted to have the most, and it intrigued me the most because we never saw anything else of it. Deep um, Down is another one because it was just like, what Deep the Down's hell is this, this game? Year, isn't it? Nope. We still have Next nothing. Year? It nothing? Might, it might, they renewed the. the Whatever trademark. for a trademark for it, so I assume that we're there's a chance that we'll get to see it again. World End was always a big person about that. I'm curious too, man. Josh, Wild, jo- there's a lot of games. I'm just gonna stop. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. There's a BT though is my biggest one for sure. Yeah. Uh, Josh Shoop asked a question that is actually going to be next week's topic because we liked it so much. Uh, but so you guys can get a sneak peek for those who watch Reader Mail or hear it. He says, "Who do you think subjectively is the best mind in video games development today?" And or all time, and then he says, "Who do you objectively think?" So probably going to be next week's episode since E three is coming, and we'll be it'll kind of just be a break for us in the middle of all the E three news dump. That way, you're not getting a bunch of weird stuff, and we're not going to have a lot of news over the weekend because people are holding news for E three. Just said that. My bad. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be the sneak peek for next week's episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, Brett's, Brett's nails nail, hit the nails on the money, <laughs> the money on the nails, the money on the nails, the, the hell, the head on the nails. Um, our good buddy and patron Atlas Unchained, who says, with a June PlayStation sale, I'm looking to finally get a PSVR. What games do you think are good starting points? Yeah, boy, take it away, Brett, because I don't have a PSVR. But uh, I, I think might get one soon. Depending on if you have or haven't yet, if you've played Resident Evil Seven, that's one of my early examples even if you have played it i guarantee you it does not feel the same at all in vr do it it will blow your mind it is so it, it'll make you sweat in stress at certain points not i mean it's just because it's very physically taxing on you great I, game i played it here with brett that game is amazing it, uh, it's terrifying in vr it's way different i normally am not scared in video games very seldom but that because you're so in it the littlest things keep you so tense and like on the edge of your seat because the 3D audio, you'll hear like a cabinet creak behind yeah. you and it's just like... Uh, I know Sean would also recommend uh, Beat Saber, which is the one game I want to get VR for other mm-hmm. than Resident Evil 7. So. Uh, other games, if you like shooter games and you like realistic ones, one of the ones I constantly go to because I think it is a very cool use of it, uh, make sure you get it with the PS Aim gun though, uh, would be uh, if you like the Rainbow Six realistic style shooting, you get uh, far... Uh, what is it called? Firewall. Firewall. Zero. Don't you have the game? I knew it. Zero hour. No, it's not. No, 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 it's no. Not no, zero no. hour. That's a Destiny two thing. <laughs> it's zero hour. Yeah, firewall zero hour. Look, I'm over here. Destiny stole from firewall. Ah, uh, who knows? Wasn't that called zero hour? I don't know. 
But look, that's another one if you like that. If you still want to see what a shooter's like on it, and it also a good use of the PSVR aim gun, uh, I think that a more traditional shooter that's linear driven uh, is Farpoint, though it's. It's got a lot of cool gesture stuff. There's a thing where you can take the gun, and when you want to change weapons, you quickly put it behind your back like you're grabbing a different gun. I actually love that. It feels so immersive. When you go to a new area and you find a new gun, you see it laying on a crate, and you go and you set your gun like you're reaching out to grab it, and it'll just enter your hands. What was and the it's other super cool. space-based PSVR game? Adrift. Oh, Adrift never ended up being a VR on PlayStation, sadly. Oh, it looked that amazing, really good, and yeah. I bought it for that. And I've not even played it because it never ended up getting a VR update for PSVR, sadly. Moss is another one if you like the uh, platformer idea. And then lastly, if you have any kids around or even if you just like kind of goofy games, I do think that there's a pretty big argument. Definitely if you catch them on sale uh, for Accounting Plus. It's a big joke Job game, Simulator. If you like that. And then Job Simulator. Job it's Simulator. Fun. I played at Brett's house too. It's just, it's, it's just fun. It's, it's like, stupid. It's like, yeah. But it's fun. It is. It's a really good. Um, it's a really, really good example of how that VR could be used. Mm-hmm. We have a Enjoy quick fire question uh, segment coming from Donovan. He says, "How much space do you have on your systems?" Storage space. Yeah. Storage space. I have one terabyte on my PS4 Pro, one terabyte on my computer. Technically, one terabyte plus two hundred fifty-six gigs or one hundred twenty gigs for my SSD. My whatever that is. Mine's gonna be a little bit of a mixture because I have a one or no, I'm sorry. The PS4, the my model of Pro, because it was a special edition, has two terabytes. So I have two terabytes in my PlayStation, and then two terabytes of an external hard drive that's connected to my PlayStation. Uh, my computer has got two terabytes as well. Yeah, I'm about to buy an SSD for my PlayStation as well. And then I've also got a terabyte in my uh, PS3, both my PS3s. <laughs> but ooh, we have two questions that kind of go hand in hand uh, about Final Fantasy VII. Uh, good old buddy Kiki once again says, "Do you just skipping the rest of the quick fires?" Oh yeah, what am I doing? I don't know. Top five anime. That's not really a quick fire though. That's not really a quick fire. Uh, Gundam Seed, Death Note. Um, I'm going to try to do it as a quick fire. Yu Gi Oh. Uh, crap. Full Metal Alchemist anywhere up there? Berserk, I guess, is a manga, but uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Well, yeah, I, I never read Full Metal Alchemist. Or no, well, he I says never anime. watched Full Metal Alchemist. Adam Alchemist. Metal Full Metal, Metal Alchemist. Alchemist. I never watched Full Metal Alchemist. Neither the original or Brotherhood. Nope, because you read the main. I read all of it. It's like Berserk. I've never watched Berserk. You but essentially I've read... watched the you watched Brotherhood. Yeah, but through steel images. Better, yeah, better ways. <laughs> um, okay, I agree with that. My story was better than yours. <laughs> you hawk a show. Oh, no. Well, I want to take off Gundam hard. Seed. I want to take off Gundam Seed and put Yu Yu Hakusho on Okay, Yu Yu Hakusho. This is really hard. Death Note? Inuyasha. Uh, nope. Mm. I, look, for all... Inuyasha's for the good, few, but For not... the few moments it's got downs, it's amazing. Trigun? Um, oh, boy, this is hard with five. Veroni Kenshin. How did I forget? Veroni Kenshin is awesome. Uh, so, you know what? I'm going to throw away Inuyasha and put Veroni Kenshin. Yeah, you better. That's and, good. Yeah. <laughs> Inuyasha had decent movies. Yu Yu Hakusho... Actually, I thought the show was better than the movies, but... I like the movies better. The movies were good, but... Like, was it the Silver Castle movie? Oh, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's not called the Silver Castle, is it? It's, um... Castle it, Beyond the Looking Glass. Yes. Yeah. That say, was a it, good movie. Way out there name. Um, okay, anyway. Yu Yu Hakusho, <laughs> Roni Kenshin, and by extension, Samurai X, which is amazing. Uh, Samurai X was the movie it. of yes. Roni Kenshin. Yeah. It, was the, it was a prequel movie. Right. That it, set it showed, up Roni it, Kenshin. It showed, uh, showed you how he got... Uh, Where he was. Uh, well, no, his, his name. The Bak- Bakansai? Oh, yeah. Hmm? Bakansai? 
No, um, Hito, you're, it's Hito, so close to that. Hitokiri Botansai, or Bot- Botosai. Hitokiri Botosai. Botosai. Yeah. Um, all right, so those two, you made me lose my train of thought. Um, Hitokiri Botosai. Oh, Trigun. Yeah, Trigun's amazing. Botosai, yeah. One of the ba- if you watch anime at all and you haven't watched Trigun, or even if you don't, one of the greatest things about Trigun is it is not afraid to be a short-run show that does exactly what it needs to Take do. Take out Death Note at Trigun for me. Story. Really? Yeah. I think Death Note is a great one, but the problem with Death Note is that it loses everything. I'm going everything. off nostalgia, too. That's true. Death Note is amazing all the way up until... The last arc. The last arc. Yeah. And it's, and and it it's a short big arc. big poopoo bags until the last episode. Yeah, the last episode's awesome. The last give episode's it amazing. But, but... The whole entire arc with Nier and uh, Mikael. Mm, okay, Neon Genesis Evangelion is my still, still is need, one of mine. Still need to watch that. And then I'll say Full Metal Alchemist, and I know I'm going to be one of those weird people here. No, nope, yeah, you are. No, nope, we're not even having this it conversation. It is nostalgia driven to an extent, uh, but original film, Full Metal Alchemist. Actually, I'd say Longest it's nostalgia period driven of time you're depressed and why? Now, because of what Brett just said. <laughs> um, now, because of Grandpa. Uh, before that, I did have like a weird run. And you know when you have that first love of your life and then y'all break up and it's just like the end of the world's over? And no, I never had that. The time between eighth and ninth grade, I went from being with Lakin in eighth grade and then her mom made her break up with me during that summer because I was a gothic kid. Man, and I, she we was almost got, we almost had privileged. two exactly relationships in the exact same way because <laughs> of parents. And I wasn't, I was really, I was a metalhead is what was more funny about it. But so like my hem jacket made me, and, and that was one of the only things I had that wasn't Slipknot. But either way, I was uh, not, change there. not privileged enough. But um, there was that. And then, I did not have another girlfriend on purpose because I was like, I, I, you know, like young, dumb, where you're like, no, nah, I've had love and I don't want anymore. <laughs> I didn't have a girlfriend for like deep. another two and a half to three years almost. And shortly after that, there was one little two-week girlfriend before I met Hannah. And then Hannah was my, there we go. Oh, I guess mine would be when my mom died. I guess it's the only thing I can think of in my mind. Like for, well, and for the reason why. Because most of the time it's just like depressed for like no motivation. I don't feel like no motivation. I have sure. no motivation. I don't feel like doing anything, but I don't really know why. Probably, yeah. probably my job. Um, <laughs> what was your first cell phone? I don't know the name of it. Me Do either. you know what it was? Because Seth used it after I did. It was that red flip phone. The red flip phone. Yeah, I don't even remember what brand it oh, was. Oh, I do know what phone you're talking about just from visuals alone. I don't know anything else about that phone after that. Yeah, it was it was a red flip phone. Didn't both you and uh, Seth get Seth, the Sony Ericsson's? Yes. Yeah, those were the best phones I think I've ever that had. That phone was so other, cool, but it was a piece of Motorola, crap. Yeah, other than the Motorola Razor, uh, because the keys on the Sony Ericsson cracked. Yep. Every time, down the middle. Yep. But, yeah, so, I don't know what the brand of mine was. What was yours? My first phone, and I know the brand, but I don't know what you call it past that, was a Virgin Mobile phone, and it was the cheapest it, was it the slider no it was oh, a flip okay. phone it was like this thick it did not have a camera um i barely had signal and this was when i was in like the eighth grade i got a cell phone way later than everyone else and even then well, i did no, not have not a later hold on even then i did not have normal things i had like 20 texts a month and very little call time it was essentially a phone so that if i went out somewhere i had it i did not have a phone in the normal capacity until end I, of my ninth grade year i found out we didn't have unlimited text when our phone bill was six hundred dollars <laughs> that's part of being a that. parent that's just so fun dirt bike or four-wheeler i'm gonna go with the four-wheeler because i've never been on a dirt bike dirt bikes are more fun honestly uh but they're way more dangerous if you want to have the if you want to have a similar amount of fun but not get hurt so badly four-wheeler. or what Four-wheeler. Uh, Three-wheeler? Oh, my Lord. Three-wheelers can go crazy. 
three, you can hurt three wheelers are really badly. dangerous. Yeah, I wouldn't get on a three wheeler. Uh, but back to the oath keeper, oath keeper, oath keeper Kiki. He oath says, Kiki. "Do you guys feel like the remake should be M rated due to all the things that happened through the story that we're not able to really show at all of a school area PS1 graphics?" So this came from a Night Sky Prince video. I don't think it should. There's I, not really much like there are T-rated games that get away with things that this game could, right? Not exactly, but well, okay. Could is is subjective. I'm I'm really trying to be around the bush here for people who haven't who haven't been I know, in the game. Me too. But there are certain. Well, this is what I'll say though. He says throughout the story there are events that happen that they were not able to really show in all their glory with PS1 graphics. Well, there's a and de- that's actually the biggest deaths? one. Deaths. Partially. What it really comes down to for me, and this is going to, and this might be an exclusive the, case. The end with the, the, I guess. Partially, yes. I, well, I was trying to think of the, um, I, we, what is it called? Don't say too much. I'm not trying to say too much. I was going to say modes. Okay. Or forms. Yeah. But even then, this is really what I'm going to say. I, I, part of the reason I actually think it needs to be an M-rated title, and I could be completely in the minority here, is that, and actually, b- bigger question. The most recent God of War, was it teen or was it mature? It was M, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. All the God of War games have always been mature as far as I know, but this one, I could see an argument as to why they might try and go away with it being teen to provide to a bigger market. Make sure you put 2019 in there. It is. It's M. Okay. I thought so. So, yeah, I mean... What this ties into, though, is very specifically, I think of all the Final Fantasy games that... The tone that they use is the darkest in Final Fantasy VII, and I think if you're going to translate that into a modern use, very similar. I would really hope that if they were going to do a modern version of Final Fantasy VI, as it's known here in the West, with the steampunk stuff, it'd be so cool to see that be done. That would not be M-rated, though. In an M-rated thing. That wouldn't wouldn't be. For me, I I think it's that if you want to do it, part of what I love about VII's aesthetic is how gritty and dark it is, and I think tying into that... It is gritty and dark. Part of it that I want to see is it be realistic. So when people die, I want there to be real blood. I want there to be... I don't think Final Fantasy is a series for that, though. I don't necessarily mean Devil May Cry levels of over the top. No, I know, blood. but just blood in general. Yes. And I think there will be blood, but then again, blood is is a T rating attribute. Like it doesn't unless there's just loads and loads and loads of blood, which maybe there would be. Well, other things, right? You have to talk about like uh, alcoholic references, sexual references. That's all T rated things too, though. They, they they can be, but there's always that threshold of where if you do too much, right. it breaks over, and that, and that's where. Well, they already said Sid's not smoking. Trying to gauge, which is weird. trying to gauge enough about that. Okay, it's like a perfect example. Metal Gear Solid 4 was M-rated, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Metal Gear Solid 4, in my opinion... Well, yeah, I guess there, you're right. There wasn't, think about it. there wasn't much about that game well, that really, in my mind, was too much. But the rating board, when you think about it, I feel like this is a game that if they go the, the stylistic route, there, I still think could have been a teen game if I were rating it myself and I'd let my teenager play it. Um, I'd go for it. I think when you're looking at the way that they actually end up rating mature games, uh, I think the game will end up with an M. I mean, I wouldn't disagree with it. I would just think, like, maybe it's just being an edgelord. I don't see, like, there's a lot of stuff that happens in that game that's out of the ordinary. But depending, there are there are three scenes in particular in 7 that happen that I would like to see full, 100% um, full context and clarity for. And one of those scenes does probably maybe can attribute to an M rating. 
Uh, but can you let us know? Because I'm interested if you haven't already. Uh, if you have, just tag me in it again so I can see it. Because I didn't see it the first time. But El Chabib says, and speaking of the Final Fantasy VII remake, how do you guys think they will handle the open world concept of the game? Will they section off worlds and part them into different episodes? Or will they open or will they open the world more and become each uh, subsequent episode? I think that's what will happen. I think that the way the game will work is that there's going to be a divide at a certain scene. It's a scene that I was talking about. I will want to see taken context and for M rated. Um, there's a certain scene, I, but there's a lot of open world stuff up to that. There's a lot of Tons. game there. Um, and that's why I, I tend to lean on the side that I think this is what will happen. We messed up. Oops. Your, your boy didn't pull it down. Uh, I think. <laughs> you can know you can pull it from the sides a lot easier. Yeah, you went a little too far. You should be able to let go. I tightened the spring, so it shouldn't be a problem. Um, but for sorry context, if you're you listening. guys watch the newest episode of Dickish the Best that comes out this coming Friday, so you guys can see Blaze almost shit himself. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's I tightened the spring probably too much. Is why that was so violent sounding, dude. I'm telling you, Blaze was like <laughs> he did like the biggest jump. I think we all did. Maybe just because Blaze was in my frame. That's I knew what it was, so I I. I flinched but that was about it um blaze was very much like the world is ending <laughs> somebody just came around the, the corner with a gat ah, um, no, let's not butcher an question okay so, so yeah. lgb going back to what you're talking about though i think that one of the things for me is like saul said there's so much and this does partially depend on whether they make it a two or a three entry i think making it three entries is is at that point i can't see how you can tell me that you can expand this game out enough to make three full length as they want to say entries now that's that square enix has not confirmed one way or another don't look at that way but right now while we're left in the dark i would hope that it'd just be two games but two also sounds a little weird to say when you say a multi-game multi-game sounds like it's going to be three or more well technically but technically two is still multiple yeah two is a multiple you know, you know that's what you're doing um, I, do, I do think that it's gonna it's gonna oh to go to the point of and it might be where you're going and then I'll yeah. you take is that I'll see if you bring it up when the game has so much stuff already in it I have one main reason as to why I think they would opt towards trying to put as much of the, of the cities in the game as possible and that's because if they want to keep the gap between the two releases as little as possible one of the ways that you can do that is make the first game and it would also justify this long development period make the first game have pretty much everything in it so that way the second game can come out 12 to 18 months at max later uh, with just the new characters that may have to be added in and the new story and cutscenes and whatnot and maybe some of the new mechanics they get introduced depending on how they do it. I almost dropped a spoiler. But anyways, I wasn't thinking. Uh, but I do think, you agree with that? I, I, mean, do, I do think I know that you that want will be minimal the, time between the two of them. I want minimal time, but I do think that there will be a really, really cool way how they do it because I'm really curious how they do the world map. Yes. For that game. So uh, what I'm curious about is that like it's kind of like cities in 15, and then you travel the roads. The world map is the roads, essentially. And then there's offshoots of that. I guess it's the only way you could do that, right? Like It's an open area. Like There's there's certain dungeons over this way, certain caves over this way, right? I mean, essentially, just think about if you took Final Fantasy VII's world. And just and, threw and said, it in the 15's engine or whatever. Well, I'm thinking more like, because 15 is just a, a, a poorly done version of what Skyrim was trying to do right where it's just you have an area and all these cities exist in this world but what we're doing now is the original overworld where they kind of showed a very minimized version of what it would be like on a map 
take that and then try and extrapolate that into a way where it makes sense to where you can move between all these areas. Right. And that's that's more of the Skyrim approach. That's kind of what I'm I'm thinking, though, honestly. That is what 15 has. Well, yeah. And if when you have a world map, I think it makes the most sense, right? And then what I really kind of want to see, this kind of goes off of what I doubt we'll see, but what I want to see is that the world map, not the traversal world map like in classic games, but when you pull up the map, it is the world map from the first game. That would be cool. And it's like, yeah, that would be the cool. first, not from the first game, but for seven um, from the original release. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, LGB, let us know what you want to see. I'm kind of curious about that. Absolutely. Crash the animal with the last question of the round. Don't forget, or don't worry, Brandon. We did see yours. Uh, also a patron. You made it. You made it late. You're both the patrons. Thank you. Um, I had to do my 60 year old New York woman smoking voice. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, darling. Oh, darling. Uh, Crash says, if you guys could get a tattoo of any video game character, who would it be? This is a big deal for Brett, so I really want to know this one. I already know exactly what I would get. My boy's killing me over here. I'm going to get a, uh, the sprite of Link from Link to the Past on my forearm. Like, right? That's pretty, Smack dab right pretty good. Over here pretty non-invasive. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, right? Because one of the big reasons I don't have a tattoo is I mean, I it's know. really hard to choose something and try it for me. Let Everybody me sell, has their let own me thing. sell this idea for you. I can tell you right now. Sell me. Here, sell me here's what it. you do. On the back of your bicep that faces like out in the world, you get a meal. So your tricep? You get a meal's mask. You know what's funny? I was about to say that. I already know that's what you're going to say. Cause I, li- I like a meal as a character. I like Emil from a visual standpoint. Yeah. I think his mask is really cool. And I, I think that when you use... Honestly, I might even get his whole body. I think Emil is a really cool done character. There, There was an image... Uh, it's one of the official images of Emil that I saw that I actually really thought about wanting. But he's like... It's like he's falling, but he's doing like a stance in the air with his hand out. Yes. I was like, that would be a dope tattoo. It's really cool art. Part of a sleeve. I like the way he looks in general. Uh, and I, I also agree. think he's a great character. I don't think that this is true for everyone. I agree for the I context I got in. I do not want to get a tattoo that I do not feel like has real meaning to me. I think sometimes people will go too quickly. And I mean, you can put as much meaning as you want to behind something, right? So it could be that you just go, I just happen to really like Call of Duty for Modern Warfare. So I'm going to get a monster Captain logo tattooed Pro- on my butt. I'm going to get Captain Price tattooed on me. Or I'm going to get the Call of Duty logo Soap tattooed on go. me. You know what? That is fine. If that's what you want to do, and, and it's because it's, it's because you had the meaning of behind all the time you put in the Call of Duty is there for you, that's cool. I have no problem with that. But because tattoos are so permanent, unless you want to pay tons of money and go through a lot of pain to get rid of one. I am very careful about the idea of if I ever even got one, what would it be? One of the early, one of the only things I've landed on where I would truly get a tattoo is something that Saul, I, and Blaze have talked about. I saw Blaze and I, if I'm being uh, grammatically, grammatically correct. correct. Yeah. Um, What'd you say, Brett? Saul and I. I said Saul, I, and Blaze, oh, which Saul, is terrible. No, that's no. But um, anyway, in that situation, I think that. I would be okay with ever getting tattoos of anything that I've had a hand in that was terms of like a creation or something I was behind. So I would get the near conversion tattoo for our, of our band logo. I'd get that because I was part of that. And get I think like it's cool to think back about like that. Get a triangle squared logo. I probably would get a, nar, a narwhal nartech logo because a, I like narwhals. That's cool already. And it works because it's nartech. Do you remember the idea we had at Hooters that one night? I don't. Where we would literally go out and get the first generation starters tattooed on us. Oh yes, ankles. okay, I do remember. Yeah, this. Yes. I would do that. Like I, right now, I'd be like, I get I, obviously nobody wants them. And I like them. I'm gonna get Bulbasaur. A Bulbasaur is awesome. What are you uh, talking about? Well, then I get Squirtle. I mean, don't be wrong. No, 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 no. It's awesome. I'm you not, take them. I'm not taking Squirtle either. All I'm saying is, 
I don't agree with your assumption that nobody likes Bulbasaur. I love Bulbasaur. He's, I would honestly say he's my nostalgia. Never mind. That's too hard of a question for me to answer. I refuse <laughs> to answer that question. But okay. uh, thank you guys for watching episode 11 of our Reader Mail. Once again, we want to see everybody get involved and ask us questions. You always can ask us anything you want to know about us, our favorite foods, what we like to eat, uh, music, movies, TV shows, hobbies, stuff like that, just to get to know us better because that is what we're here for. And, of course, tune in to the normal episodes of Triangle Squared every Monday at 10 a.m. PST, noon Central Time. And, then of course, Dickish at Best coming out the opposite Friday of this at 5 p.m. Central First time. episode's already up. If you want to give it a listen, let us know what you think. We are Patreons, finding a seat, but feedback is important. New Patreon, you get episode zero. Huh, yep. So yeah, so you get, you're gonna have three episodes by the the time. This is one week old. <laughs> by, well, by the time that this is three days old, it'll be that following Monday after this goes live. Dickish at best comes out on Fridays. Yeah. How would it be three days? And this comes out on Friday. comes out on Mondays for patrons. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh, there you go. Subscribe to our Patreon. Give us money. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stephen Swanland, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Thomas McKinnis, and new this week and this month, Brandon Edwards. If you would like to support us with as little as even a dollar, go to the link in the description or visit us at patreon.com slash nartech.